0: real
1: what you are is any of it real look at this look at it a world built on fantasy synthetic emotions in the form of pills psychological warfare in the form of advertising mind-altering chemicals in the form of food. brainwashing
2: seminars in the form of media isolated bubbles in the form of social networks real you want to talk about reality we haven't lived in anything remotely
1: close to it since the turn of the century. We turned it off. Forgot the batteries Snacked on a bag
3: of
2: GMOs while we... Toss the remnants in the ever-expanding dumpster of the human kingdom. We live in branded houses, trademarked by corporations, built on bipolar numbers, jumping up and down on digital displays, hypnotizing
3: us into the biggest slumber mankind has ever we seen. You have to dig pretty deep, kiddo, before you can find anything real. We live! In a kingdom of bullshit. What the
4: hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on
1: air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear.
3: Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it.
1: Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Well
3: hello everybody, it is Thursday the 21st of July, at least that's the earliest you will find. The most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga, at least one that is about primarily the city in the region. Okay, I have no way of actually knowing that, I've just been saying that since day one in 2016. You can't prove it's not. My name is Brian, this is Stone On Air podcast. And I got a lot to get to today, we'll see how much we can fit in. I've complained about this before and you're probably like enough already we get it that my equipment I've got to upgrade some of this stuff the volume is just all kinds of messed up when I have the music and the audio turned all the way up it blows my eardrums out and then when I have the you know my mic audio that's at the right level that I want it I can barely hear the damn thing so uh, I'll have to just kind of ride that and make it work it's all good it's all good if I had any extra money I'd go do it now but just like everybody else money is a bit of an issue uh, I still don't have that s- second gig right now I don't know if I'll have another second gig anytime soon the chances are probably not so I'll have to just kind of fly on the uh the single income source but um Other than uh, that, everything's pretty, pretty good. That front end is, i I, honestly, I was having trouble finding audio worth a damn this week. Usually, it's very easy. I mean, I just scroll through Twitter and TikTok primarily just at my leisure throughout the week, and then I favorite or like the ones that I like the most, and then I come back and use them the next week. Often, I don't even remember why. This week, I started looking back at my bookmarks, and I couldn't find anything really all that good, and then, of course, after I'm done with production, today I ran on across two, three, four things that were fantastic, but uh, I'll save those for another time. The front, that was just a kind of recycled piece I've used on the show before, but going back many years ago, that was Christian Slater. I believe it's at the very tail end of the uh, finale of the first season of Mr. Robot. It was a really cool show, a very kind of um, mind-twisting I don't want to call it psychological thriller, but it was kind of have a, a little bit of that in it, involving internet and spying and seeing things that aren't there. Uh, the guy who was the main character outside of Christian Slater was the guy who played Freddie Mercury in the uh, the Queen biopic, which I never saw and heard he was very good in. But anyway, that was on the USA TV regular channel before streaming was even a thing outside of Netflix. And I never followed up and watched season two on that. It was a really uh, bizarrely weird show. Interestingly bizarrely weird good show. And uh, that little monologue there at the end is about as true as anything can get. I mean, if there was the truest thing today, that was likely it. All right. When I say I got a lot of things, I mean, I just have a lot of notes I've made to myself over the last week. None of it's all that important. I'll go ahead and lay it out for you here uh, real fast. In the second segment of the show... I've been talking about it off and on the last couple of months. I finally did it, mainly because of lack of anything else to do. Local stories have kind of simmered down a little bit as far as the stadium goes. That'll pick back up as we get to the election on August 4th and the transfer of power amongst commissioners and mayors. So there'll be a lot more to talk about as that goes further down. But the How I Built This podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, that I have uh, stumbled on over the last few years, at least the series that I come back to regularly, I finally made a segment highlighting some of the really cool parts from some of those segments. Um, just listening to people who created things, created businesses, companies, mainly from the area of tech. Um, not all of it is tech, but most of it is. And I've highlighted about six, six or seven pieces I wish I could have done more, but that takes a long time to dig all that stuff out. So just to give you an idea of what this show sounds like, and maybe it'll be something that you want to put into your rotation. And it's got me thinking of a lot of other ideas I'd like to do uh, for future podcasts further down the road. And in the final segment of the show, it's not really a political portion. As I, If I'm going to do anything that might be controversial, quote-unquote, or might irritate people, I'm always going to put it at the tail end of the show so you know you can check out if you would like at that time. So my final segment is going to be talking about uh, the police, police departments, how many different d- police departments there are and where the failures really, really are at, at least coming from where I've been thinking about. And some of the things that I've read, some opinion pieces and overall, just a section about police officers. It isn't going to be putting them up on goddamn pedestals like everybody just seems to do, because that's just what we do around here. And it seems odd to me. They're not Mar- they're not American heroes. They can be they can do heroic things. But I'm jumping ahead of myself, so I'll get to that in the final segment of the show. I'll get you three pieces of audio. Again, I wish I had better ones for you, but they're still worth doing. I'll have you the most overhyped thing, uh, good and bad news thing, and the most savage thing that uh, the savage thing I can relate to very, very closely with an anecdotal situation from my childhood that I will uh, tell you about here in just a few, maybe about uh, six, seven minutes from right now. Um, I put it on social media, on Facebook, as a simple, 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 just here's an FYI. And I was actually almost hoping that people would start arguing about COVID in it so I could use it to expose stupid people. But luckily, my Facebook feed is not full of stupid people really anymore. And luckily, nobody wanted to do that. But I saw somewhere in an email, um, maybe might have been Nougat today, that there's a very simple link that if you just go to my page you'll find it and i'm sure if you just did a google search you'll find it pretty simply to the usps that y- you don't even have to go through any you know dot govs or any kind of hoops if you want up to eight covid tests they're going to send them to you for free all you got to do is put your name first and last and your address and submit boom done uh on my post i said it'll take it won't it'll take two, two minutes i, I should have said it's it'll take 20 seconds it takes no amount of time at all. You don't have to put in any other information, no phone numbers, no other tracking information. If you want to put your email address, you can. I went ahead and did because I got my burner address that I use for stuff like that. And now I think I have four in the cupboard now, so that'll get me up to 12 just sitting around. They don't go bad, I don't think, or if they do, surely it's not till years from now. And why not have something like that sitting around if they're going to send it to you for free, especially if we're going to continue to uh, fake outrage our way through the next wave of uh, of the flu. I'm not saying the flu is not real. I'm not saying COVID is not real. But I'm saying if we're going to continue this nonsense, at least have some of those around if they're going to give them to you, so you can take a test and say, "Look, I'm I'm cool. Leave am alone. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not taking shots. I'm not getting uh, boosters. I'm not you know I'm not doing this stuff anymore." And I've been staunchly against all that. Not against it, meaning for myself personally. If you want to do it, great. If anybody else wants to do it, that's fa- that's fantastic. Um, but if you require me to wear a mask as I'm going to New York in about two and a half weeks, I will wear a mask. I don't mind doing that. I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's really getting much accomplished, but I don't mind it. I don't mind it, but I'm not going to do it, um, on any, any, any situation where it is, uh, optional and I'm not getting any more shots ever, ever again. I never got a flu shot in my entire life. I'm not going to start taking random flu shots now, especially when the damn things make you sick. So Point being, if I if everything comes ever comes up, like, hey, we're worried about this, swab my nodes or instant test, boom. I'm positive, shit, I'll go home. Boom, negative, leave me alone. Look, see, I think that's a perfectly good solution. So why not stock up on these things? It's worth having around. And, of course, from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, uh, a few days ago, um, the headline CDC national surge in COVID infection includes nine Chattanooga area counties, including Hamilton, Mary, and Squatchy. Uh, Chattooga, Dade, Gordon Walker, and Jackson in Alabama. Uh, The poll question, with part of the local area now classified as high risk for COVID-19 by the CDC, do you plan to wear a mask outside of your home? And uh, I didn't even look at the answers. But um, so beware, just so you know. And speaking of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, I'm going to give you this little life hack here. And sorry to my TFP employee friends and people who who rely on uh, on payment for, for, you know, hoping for their livelihoods of being compensated for the work they do. And the very good work that uh, the Times Free Press has, has always done, and I've always been a big fan of the, of the paper. But it's just really not a thing anymore. But I have figured out the paywall, and I've talked about it on here before, but I haven't t- told you how to do it. And I'm going to tell you how to do it now. And, and somehow, I now don't have to do it every time. It got a little annoying to have to jump through a hoop or two to be able to read an article. So if I wanted to read one in particular, I'd do it. But I couldn't exactly, like, bounce around and look at a a bunch of different things because I had to go through this every time. Well, now all of a sudden my work computer, I can just look at any TFP article I want at any point. I don't know if somehow I've disabled the entire system. I don't know. But what you do, if you're on a a PC, I don't know how you do it on a a Mac or an Android or an iPhone, but if you're on a PC... Click on whatever TFP article you want to read and hit F12, all right? At the top right, there's going to be that little settings gear that literally looks like a little black circle with the little gears on it. You see them on your phone, on everything else that is computer-oriented. I'm pretty sure that always equals settings, but that's what it is, just that little black circle that looks like a, a big tire, a big truck tire. Click on it. Scroll all the way down to where it says Disable JavaScript. I don't know what the hell that means, but that's what it is. D- disable JavaScript. Click it, then hit, or then go to your page, refresh it, and hit F12 again, and that brings you up the page. It does. It works every single time. It's a TikTok hack that I found. So, and if you do it enough, apparently it would appear that sometimes it allow you to just continue to uh, to do it every day. So that's been cool for me because I like to be able to use the Times Free Press. As a resource, several things here on this list of just thought starters that I won't get to. I will say really quickly: Better Call Saul. Oh god, it's one of the greatest shows that's ever been made. I mean, I'm I am not an overreactionary type when it comes to television, and sure as hell not with movies because there's almost never a movie made worth seeing. This Better Call Saul last couple of seasons. If you're a Better uh, a Breaking Bad guy or gal. You have to watch this. You cannot deprive yourself of this show if you've never watched Breaking Bad. And if you've never watched Breaking Bad, you should probably watch them all, but that's a lot of time to devote, and I get it. Oh, my God, the cinematography, the the the, the direction, the the lighting, the acting, and I'm not normally one of those guys that, that cares about a lot of that stuff. As long as it looks half-assed, somewhat put together, I'm happy. It is. It is, like, sit down and, like, get ready the holy hell here we go and there's only four left to go to wrap up the show i wrap up the uh the series <sighs> what else okay so i never thought i'd do this and i won't do it on social media loudly or probably at all because of all the people that i know with the chattanooga football club and all the connections i've had with finley stadium and that club and the people who are uh, board members all the way down to hooligans, all the way to best friends and acquaintances I've met. And it's just, I'm, I'm a cheerleader for that brand and property as most, you already know, and I have been well for the, the, the property for over you know, 25 years and f- for the team and the brand of the CFC since two 2014, it's about the time I started going by 2015. I was there all the time and it feels like the buzz is gone. From um, from CFC. Now, part of that is I don't work downtown anymore, so I'm not downtown nearly as much. And maybe I'm just not I'm not close enough. But this Red Wolves thing in Eastridge is real. It's really real. Uh, I went to my second game over the weekend. Now, I had a friend who had a box. So, you know, the luxury boxes. And so that's obviously going to be a little bit better of a step up of accommodations. But I didn't wasn't even there up there the whole time. Barely half the time. The way they set this thing up is a long way to go. You know, the parking lot still is not even paved. There's so much uh, construction going on. It kind of looks like what the hell is this? As you pull in, but the product they put out there, the, they got a great scoreboard and a really nice LED lighting. So they can, you know, the lights can come off and on and dim and get louder or get lighter and brighter. It's um, it's a compact stadium with. Lot Lots of interactions with the, the mascots. And a pretty good concessions, really, for, for what it is. Because it's still not much of a stadium. But it's just comfortable. Plenty of options on uh, on alcohol. And, and, again, the food selection isn't great. But it's better than the stupid lookouts currently concessions are. Of course, that's some of the worst I've ever been to. But this Red Wolves every time I show up. I'm more and more impressed. And that side of town is booming, man. A Pizza Bros just opened up. I heard. I've heard from people who know what they're talking about. Twin Peaks is going to be there soon. It's kind of like a much more upscale Hooters. Uh, There's plenty of those in Atlanta. Um, Man, it is. And hell, it's my town, man. East Ridge is my town. So I've, I've said from the beginning, I'm going to support the Red Wolves. But I never thought I would do it out loud and say this is a major, major threat to the Chattanooga Football League's well-being going forward. I really think that's true. This town might not be big enough for two soccer teams. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they both survive, and I'd love to go back down to Finley and go to a game, but none of my friends I ever went with go anymore. Now, a couple of them, one's been since married, one has a kid, one was coming less, more and more because of his being married and settling down and stuff. But if I ask all the people I used to go to the games, are you going? The answer is generally no. So we'll see how that all unfolds. Let's get to three pieces of audio here. I've got the most overhyped thing on social media to make fun of the letter lead. Excuse me, the yellow Ledbetter mumbling Pearl Jam song. Um, I'll play this and then my thoughts on it afterwards let's see where is it there it is right
5: so what's your band name and what kind of style music do you guys play hey what up uh we're pearl jam that's our name we're like alternative rock and grunge okay so your name is pearl jam and you guys do rock that's good because you know that's kind of like the hip thing right now do you guys have any like um previews of the music so i kind of understand what i'm getting into yeah, we got a song. It's called Yellow Leadbetter. It's a banger for sure. Okay, let's hear a little uh, preview and make sure you guys are radio ready. I, go and I say I go out it and I go out were, were you saying any words? On a weekend, on a visit, on a yeah.
3: All right. So this thing's gone too far. Um, at first, about a year or so ago, people started doing this on social media where the the, ma- the main one was let the song play. And then it would say when you know, when Eddie Vedder said all this mumbo jumbo. Yeah, I really felt that. Like looking out the window, people thought they were being creative by recycling this thing over and over again. And at first it was okay. I was sending YouTube videos in 2006, of people doing mumbling, make fun of Yellow Leadbetter songs. I don't care if you're making fun of the song. We've been talking about the dumb lyrics since it came out in 1994 or whatever year it was. But, yeah, that one's jumped the shark. Let's let's stop the Yellow Leadbetter social media post. This is from a TikTok account called Good Morning Bad News. I'm going to just play it, have very little commentary. Good morning, good news. Gas prices are crashing throughout the United States as the cost of crude oil falls by just 10% in one day, dipping below $100 a barrel. But the reason for this downturn isn't good news at all. Over the past few weeks, fears of an upcoming recession have tanked the stock market and consumer confidence, with massive sell-offs in oil and gasoline futures, especially as market indicators point to a worse recession that'll hit us sooner than we expected. These fears are also leading to a rapid drop in housing prices as nearly 15% of homes for sale are seeing those sales canceled by nervous buyers. And market analysts expect that these indicators combined create a snowball effect that only increases the risk and intensity of what is now expected be a severe recession in the near future the last time we saw this kind of massive spike and collapse in gas prices was during the great recession which saw a high of four dollars and eleven cents per gallon falling to one dollar and sixty two cents per gallon within just five months along with nearly three million lost jobs all i'll say is we are long overdue for a united states recession long overdue when you look at the the meter that goes up and down over the last hundred years way past due and the final one here the most savage thing it's a dude walking around it looks like it's a theme park of some kind and he's asking Children, adults, people of all ages who are wearing band shirts, like musical band shirts, to name three songs. This is the most savage idea.
6: Can you name three Kiss songs? Can you name three Sublime songs? Can you name three Led Zeppelin songs? Uh, Back in Black. Oh. That's ACDC. Can you name three Rolling Stones songs? No. Can you name three ACDC songs? Um... Uh, Can you name three Rolling Stones
5: songs?
6: (laughs) No, I don't. Can you name three ACDC songs? No. Oh, okay. Can you name three Ice Cube songs?
4: Batman.
6: Can you name three Black Sabbath songs?
3: Solitude, Master of Reality. There's Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Oh, heck yeah, man. That's three. Let's go. All right. So, the reason I played that was I go super fast as I'm already late on this segment. Is when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I had a space your face tie dyed shirt that I wore underneath a Baja that had a peace sign on the back of it. And I thought I was just the coolest looking dude. I wanted to do more, you know, hippie look. And, um, but I didn't know anything about the Grateful Dead at that time. And a guy in school, it was at the, um, uh, the the football game on a Friday night recognized that it was a steely and he came over really aggressive his name's Josh Kaiser by the way any of you Udawah guys um, he came up and pulled my Baja like kind of just down a little bit like pull, yanked down on it he's like that better not be a steely that, that's a steely name three Grateful Dead songs and I was humiliated absolutely humiliated Of course, because of course I couldn't name one and um and then every time he saw me in the in the hallways for however long it lasted, hey, give me three three uh, Grateful Dead songs, you pussy, or whatever you would say. And I just, uh, I was like, oh, my God, I'm mortified. I put that shirt away and never wore it again. <laughs> and then I went to Camelot Music or whatever it was in the mall and started memorizing Grateful Dead songs. And by the time I did that, it was too late. The damage had been done. Uh, let's see. the uh, Coming up next. How I Built This is an NPR podcast, and some of these stories on how people built these incredible technologies and businesses really is actually very inspiring, and I thought it was uh, fun to put together this segment. Hopefully, you agree. This is the Stone On Air podcast, and I'll be right back.
1: Now back to more Stone On Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stone On Air.
7: We've gotten into pretty protracted conversations with several different potential investors who are either looking to outright buy us or to invest heavily. And, you know, we even got to well into due diligence in one instance. And I think what I learned from all of those experiences is that there's no iteration of TFD that takes on investor money that doesn't kind of nuke the editorial and labor practices to some extent. I just don't see a reason to do that, especially if I'm not even myself financially necessary to the company anymore. Like, you know, there's no reason if it's not broke, don't fix it. And the kinds of pressures for not just growing quickly, but also maximizing profit, which we intentionally don't do, Mm. those would become insurmountable because if someone is investing in you, they want to see a return and they have every right to want that. But then, then we're obligated to put profit first. And there's no way that the way we operate today could be sustained in a growth first, profit first model. Show me how this thing works.
3: This is a uh, pretty goofy song by Cracker called Show Me How This Thing Works. It's basically a song about what is a radio, how does this thing work. So that was, uh, I don't remember her name, uh, Chelsea, I believe is her first name, from the uh, the Financial Diet. It is a millennial-based female, primarily um, put-together company... With their audience being that same age group, millennial women, and how to handle uh, their money. Basically kind of like a more um, uh, progressive Dave Ramsey style of advice, but done in a much more fun and relatable way with younger people. When it's just not some old guy yelling at you, telling you to sell your car and drive one that's about to break down and sell and and deliver pizzas for a living. Uh, Dave Ramsey needs to drive off a cliff a long time ago. I used to be a big fan, but dudes, uh, dudes antiquated as it gets. This is pretty. It, I looked at it some. It's not for me, but the story was interesting. And the guy who hosts this show, uh, how I built this, his name's Guy Raz. He's covered a lot of he's been in the media a long time. He's a little older than me. I'd guess he's around 45 years old. Very safe. Of course, it's an MBR, NPR product, so clearly it's going to be safe and not very edgy at all. And if he ever does get close to something that's edgy, it's just so pathetically worded. So you're not going to get anything more than just nuts and bolts. And he, he this is it's a little annoying from an a, a presentation standpoint because he knows the answer to every question he's going to ask. He's read the bio on these people, knows every word. So he, it, it's kind of like he doesn't really ask questions. He just says that he'll move on and say, well, then I think you did this. He says, I think all the time. It drives me crazy. It's one of his crutches. But I think you did this and you brought this person in. Tell me about that. Rather than, hey, so tell me more about can you continue. I'll ask questions. You answer that kind of thing. Um, but he sometimes will not come back or or bring up something that is clear they probably decided they didn't want to talk about. And she originally said something along the lines of, you know, I don't invest in crypto. We don't take crypto advertising. I don't do crypto. And I was fascinated by that because I talked to a lot of people who love it, a lot of people who don't know, a lot of people who hate it. There's all kinds of varying opinions. And if this woman's doing so good with finance, he never asked her, so tell me about why you are not involved with crypto. That annoyed the hell out of me. So there's going to be a lot of that. But generally speaking, when he's sitting down talking to these people, he uh, he gets the best information that what, what is the point of the show. I'm not here to be overly entertained. I'm here to understand how somebody put something amazing together when it felt like how in the world could this possibly be uh, possible. And it is really what makes America the reason to, to still smile big and still be very proud of of the United States, when there's so many things going on that can make you just want to roll your eyes and gag yourself and puke all over the place because of the nonsense of a majority of the fabric of this country, it's things like this that make you say, "Damn, man, this is why we're good." So I'm gonna jump right in and uh, I'll just have commentary as we go right along here. And the first one that I um, that I have here is a guy, and I, don't, I didn't write any of these people's name. You won't remember him anyway. He is a guy who created PayPal. And what made this story so interesting is that he's he had two or three four different companies no one's ever heard of and technologies that he created that he sold before he ever got to PayPal. This is a 2-hour two two-part episode. That's how much they had to talk about about his his upstart startups and 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 technologies and the PayPal part was like barely a third of the entire show this is a guy talking about t- tell me if this sounds familiar to you there's a little bit minute uh over a minute talking about a, a concept an idea he had but this would have been around 2006 again the creator of paypal
6: so, so your idea was was basically to to create a way to share photos and, and videos that, that was going to be easier and, and sort of nicer and sort of more user-friendly
1: yes it was Sort of primarily about personal photo sharing. So mm-hmm. it was very clear that regular people, people that kind of don't really care about cryptography and complex problems are going to start flooding onto the internet. And i started of say, well, if, if the, the world of the internet becomes suddenly very social, there are all these humans that are emotional. What will they do? What will they need? They're all going to just follow the seven deadly sins because that's what humans do. We're, we're all wired to transgress in sinful ways. And so I wrote down the seven deadly sins and said that my motto will be one startup for every deadly sin. (laughs) I remember reading or or hearing the quote, vanity is the devil's favorite sin. So I thought, well, what does vanity look like online? It has to be media sharing. It has to be photo sharing. It has to be video sharing. And so the slide was very much invented through this sort of intellectual, rigorous, attempt to figure out what will people do once vanity becomes the dominant behavioral force online. But you you were a little bit early on that. Yeah. Probably a good decade. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So that was way before there was apps, way before there were smartphones. This dude had Instagram before there ever was an Instagram. Oh, and he created PayPal. So not all these are new technologies. This one um, I always think are fun stories about small beer startups back in a light beer dominated market. Uh, Jim Cook from Sam Adams has a great story that's very similar to this one. This is from the creator of Sierra Nevada. And he talks about the early days of how to get his name out there from a write-up in a newspaper and a grocery store picked up his uh, his line uh, of beer out in California and then help from
4: a certain band. It was a real slog. Um, you know, there was no craft knowledge, that, you know, no internet You know, there was not a a way for a a business that didn't have any money to get much uh, notoriety. We couldn't pay for any of it. Um, We were, you know, really fortunate that there were a few writers who were intrigued by the whole startup of this craft beer scene and and started to write stories san francisco examiner actually there was a i think a five page color spread on uh, the, the brewery the little brewery in chico um that was just an amazing shot in the arm we got this you know huge amount of publicity and we were also very fortunate there was a a beer buyer for one of the large grocery store chains, whose daughter was going to Chico State. And so he would come up to visit his daughter and then the Grateful Dead actually. um, They somehow early on got hooked into the beer. And and so when the dead would travel around, um, we'd have to watch where their concert series were and and we'd get all these orders for beer ahead of um, them hitting town.
3: How perfect is that? That is so cool. I've never would have associated Sierra Nevada beer with the Grateful Dead but that is one of the catalysts for them becoming the brand that they were. A lot of these people from these stories, from how I built this, are rags to riches, come from nothing. Some of them come from everything. Um, the guy from PayPal, he is just so entrenched and a, just a brilliant mind inside of, of Silicon Valley his whole life. The dude from Sierra Nevada was just putting together some beer as a hobby to begin and then turned it into a national brand. And then you have guys like uh, this dude who started Squarespace, um, he he came from uh, plenty of money, it would appear. And there's two things here that uh, that stick out. First of all, how he got his name—pretty simple, more than you would think. And then he had a quote-unquote fight to try to get thirty thousand dollars out of his parents. So not many of us have that opportunity, but the guy who started Squarespace did. I
6: don't know how I calculate, but I needed thirty grand. And you need thirty thousand know, dollars to get thirty thousand dollars to get this off the ground. I needed I needed these servers. I needed two of them, right? Because uh, well, if one crashes, then I need a redundant one, right? I worked at this, you know, tech company I was in high school. I know that these things crash, um, and so I, I remember asking my, my dad for it, and it, it was a fight. I, I remember parking. I was at the University of Maryland. I was in the the stupid parking lot outside of the dorm, and I remember being on my phone, and and you know, it was like, why do you need two? Why can't you have one? Why doesn't You know, that would be half like, I mean, it was a it was a it was a fight. And, you know, they eventually uh, I eventually won that fight. And and they were the first investor in Squarespace. Did you call it Squarespace already? Like, did you already pick that name? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly when I picked it, but. I needed to get the the .com, the .net, the .org domains. They had yes. to be open, right? So I needed to be able to just buy them. I couldn't you know, negotiate for them because, again, I didn't have any money. So uh, I remember Googling it at the time, and there were zero Google results for Squarespace. And so I was like, okay, we're starting from zero here. And um, for some reason just thought like, okay, Squarespace, like, monitors were more square at the time they weren't as rectangular like it's kind of your space online i guess that works and you know i can probably draw the logo for this probably gonna pick like a square or something like Hmm. that but um yeah i mean that's kind of that's kind of where it started
3: you can just hear it in his voice it's like i've seen my stupid car I was like dad i just need thirty thousand dollars it's all but uh, to come up with the name too, sometimes uh, many of these are the same. It's 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 not as much just creative, ma- amazing idea. It's finding what's available and and capturing all of them. And I got lucky on my end is when I first started doing all this with the .dot coms and all the social medias that everything is stone on air, all one word, everything. Nothing is of any different variation, and that's actually very very valuable for a uh, product and uh, its its awareness amongst. You know, the, the the target audience, if they can find you in the same place and not have to do any extra searching. So the next one is Kickstarter. If I remember right, this guy traveled at a younger age, you know, team teen, early teens, mid teens to America from what I'm guessing is probably India, somewhere in, in Asia. So probably had a, a a decent background of capital and uh, opportunity. I'm just guessing. I don't I don't remember for sure. This is a bad edit on here. I apologize. I didn't have time to go back and fix it. So I tried to cue it up right um his whole idea for starting Kickstarter, he was an artist, he played music, and um he was like it's weird asking people for money. Just asking somebody randomly for money is odd. Well, there's got to be a way to make it not so weird and awkward to ask
2: people for money. Put in me 5. Um there was just this friction. There was this social friction before that existed and the model has been able to eliminate that or even Put it in a way that's socially positive. So it's the sentiment that people have. People want to help each other bring good and interesting ideas to life. Mm. We have kind of nothing new under the sun. Pretty much. You know, with Kickstarter, I think if I was telling a friend that I was working on an album and it was going to cost me some money to go into a studio to mix it down, they're not going to hand me $5, hmm. right, in a coffee shop. But if I put it up on Kickstarter and I'm trying to raise two grand to go do my mix down for my album, That same friend may give me $5. Um, There was just this friction. There was this social friction before that existed. And the model has been able to eliminate that or even put it in a way that's socially positive. So it's the sentiment that people have. People want to help each other bring good and interesting ideas to life. We have nothing to do with that. We are enabling that. What we think is a good way to do that. Um,
3: this next one was fascinating. It was from many years ago, I think, when they were putting these on the radio, so it was a lot shorter, and they weren't able to get into it as in-depth as I'd like. The same guy who created the Atari also created Chuck E. Cheese. No joke. The Atari gaming system created by an American man, and then after that and sold it and got done, took video game technology and lack of birthday and pizza joints for kids and created Chuck E. Cheese. It's a great thoughts from an old wise man. And I love his idea of how to get out of his comfort zone. This is the creator of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. If I can find it, there it is.
0: There is no question that a good failure is good for your soul. There is nothing worse than feeling like you are invincible and really cool and entitled. Being entitled is probably the ugliest thing that a person can be because all of a sudden it's not what you do, it's who you are. And people who rely on who they are as opposed to what they do become very banal. I want to stay on the steep part of the learning curve And in fact, I've even done a methodology on it. I I force myself to do something totally outside my comfort zone every year. And I write down 11 things that I think I can accomplish in a year that are outside my comfort zone. And then I mix them up, put a number on them, throw a pair of dice, and I have to, in that year, do what the dice tell me to do. And I've discovered a funny thing. Maybe it's just me, but I think it's a generalized principle that when you do different things, you're happier. That this process of of exploration and of discovery, the game and the meta-game, is very satisfying.
3: I love it. I, I'm in love with it. When, and so many of these stories have inspired me in so many ways. Now I get drunk later, and then forget about them. <laughs> you know, it doesn't carry over very far into the next day. But I love that idea. It's kind of like with uh, Professor Akaku talks about trying to slow down time. Well, do different things. Do do different things that occupy your time differently, and your the perception of the time will slow down. It's so absolutely true. And what a cool idea. It doesn't have to be 11. It could be five, six, seven. I, I don't know, taekwondo, taekwondo lessons or, um, you know, pottery or... Um, learn a learn a language with babel.com or something like that that's a great idea that i am literally going to at least keep it in my mind as 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 an idea to try into the near future and the final one here might be my favorite one of the best ones um out of well now i'm up to about 20 or 30 of them now so there's many of my favorites but the guy who created pitchfork and the dude's story is so good And it's so fun and it hits so close to home because I was this guy for a short period of my young person life, the creator of Pitchfork.
8: The indie community was very like, there was a deep camaraderie. Like we're all sort of outsiders. We're all kind of in this together. um, And we all support kind of, you know, people in the scene. So there wasn't a lot of negativity in the reviews, which I think in hindsight, you know, kind of, kind of a nice thing. But at the same time, you know, you could always kind of detect, oh, well, if you're into this or that, you might like this, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was like, where's the negativity? Like, we're all music fans too, you know, and music fans have, we just, we have strong opinions. That's like kind of the, you know, that's one of the most fun things about engaging and having conversations with other music fans is this heated debate about, you know, what matters, what's good, what's not. And having not seen any of that in a lot of the local zines or in the indie zines, I was like, we need to shake this up.
3: <laughs> of course, he's talking about when he says zines, magazines is short for uh, fan zines, Um This was when Rolling Stone was certainly at the probably the height of its popularity, but Rolling Stone wasn't covering the local music scene in Minneapolis or Seattle or Austin or wherever else it might have been hotspots back then. They were, they might have got a blur, but they weren't getting real coverage of what was happening every week. And I was an alternative weekly crazy person all the way from I was. uh, 13 14 15 years old brevis brevis whatever it was called before was enigma i'd go sit down wherever my dad would take me out cbc or wherever and i'd go grab the enigma and i'd just start going through it and looking for concerts and reading uh, cd reviews and concert reviews and it was like the highlight of my day and whenever the new one would come out and then later it's creative loafing when you're in atlanta and all these others and that was uh that was a few years later after this this kind of uh phenomenon had had, had really picked up from a publication from a, a you know hard copy this guy was the first dude who went all digital with pitchfork and it be- it became a monster and he has done all kinds of other things and dude just got out of college or excuse me got out of high school no direction to go to college and went straight to work for a record com- a record store not a record company a record store it's I think I used this on something I was using with the movie high fidelity the other day or the other week. It's so true. We did those same things as if they weren't record store. There was Chad CDs. And then I had this time frame where I was I even had was emailing Jeff Styles when I was like 17, 18 years old, because he used to write for a couple of different publications. They all went away eventually. Hell the Chattanooga Facts. I mean, I was obsessed with creating my own fanzine, my own uh, alt weekly. I, I I thought I could do it. That was kind of the precursor leading up to Okay, well, I'll never have the capital and the resources, and uh, and I'm a terrible writer. I mean, I can write very interestingly, but my the MLA handbook, I don't even know what it is. So I would need an editor, and I need all these. So I think that kind of led me into, oh, but I can get a job at a radio station. That's probably even better, and it was better. And uh, so I, I loved, loved, loved that, that story. And running late again here. I'll just run through a few others. Uh, that's all the audio I have uh Eventbrite was an interesting one coming from a lot of money on that one door dash uh, was a was a pretty good one sub pop i already knew ring the uh the doorbell camera that uh, i also already knew knew nothing about Tempur-Pedic, nothing about the casper mattress d- delivery uh company dropbox was interesting this one was one of the best ones and the problem is if i don't mark if i don't make a, a time stamp, on my phone, or write it down while I'm listening to these. I'm never going to be able to go back through them and get the audio I want. The same guy who created Expedia, the travel online travel company, Expedia, got done with that, sold it, and then created Zillow. Freaking Zillow, Expedia, and then Zillow, two monsters of the travel and uh, and 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 real estate market. Unreal, and and he created both those words. And he had this whole long thing about talking about how to create words. That's a very difficult thing to do. um, I loved it. Uh, MailChimp, Bumble, Audible. Hell, the Leatherman. The Leatherman. The Pocket Tool. Don't call it a pocket knife. That one was all right. And then Dude Perfect. I had never heard of Dude Perfect before I listened to that episode. Uh, They do the trick shots. They started doing, like, these crazy long basketball shots Think jackass Except for not trying To hurt themselves And it's They become an empire Like they sell out stadiums it's like 15,000, 20,000 seat stadiums For their antics And uh, the coolest thing That came away from that That I just didn't have time To go to get Was when they were Setting up the camera For the, the first major shot Trick shot That put them all over The internet They dude who is Setting up the camera They go back And they play their, the B-roll you know, the, 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 that's going to hit the cutting room floor when they do their edit. And dude's setting up, he's like, oh, hold on, dude, perfect. And we, when he got the camera right where he wanted it. And when they went back through it, they're like, dude, perfect. That's our name. These are just kids out of Texas A&M. Barely even in, you know, hardly even in school. 20, 18, 19 years old. Dude, perfect is going to be your name, bro. Uh, yeah, bro. That's exactly what our name is gonna be. I thought that was very cool. So, how I built this from NPR pod podcast with Guy Raz is where all that audio comes from. Now, let's be a jerk for a little bit and talk about what the real problem with America's police departments probably actually are. I'll do that next.
4: Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. That's
5: Well, that Uvalde footage is pretty much the most heartbreaking and infuriating shit I've ever seen. I mean, we all knew it'd be bad, but goddamn. These cops are all just standing around like, we didn't sign up for this. I mean, look, hey, hey, tear gassing protesters, shooting people's dogs, sure, that's why we're all here. But this, this is a bridge too far. Just what cops think they are and what cops actually are in one image, all right? And I know it ain't all of them, but come on. We all know that the most cringeworthy and mediocre motherfuckers in our high school are the ones that turned out to be cops. To me, there's two major takeaways from that video. First of all, the whole good guy with a gun narrative is horse shit, it always has been horse shit and it needs to go away forever now. I don't ever wanna hear that shit again. And number two, we have a serious police problem in this country, y'all, all right? Useless when they're needed the most, destructive when they're needed the least, there are foundational deficiencies with this order. And I don't know how we fix it, but we need a top down re evaluation of the whole damn thing because the status quo is completely unacceptable. That is
2: Trey
3: Crowder. I can't remember what he calls himself. The something, the liberal redneck, I think. He's from Tennessee. And everything he just said is absolutely spot on. Spot on. This Drive-By Truckers. I used to be a cop, but I got a little too jumpy. Reading a couple of these lyrics. i gone too far from the things that could save me. I used to be a cop, but they kicked me off the force. Used to have a car, but the bank came and took it. Paying for a house that the bitch lives in now. Children that we had won't even look at me. Guess there's nothing left to lose. Nothing matters anyhow. And I used to play football, but I wasn't big enough for college. The police academy gave me the only thing I was ever good at but my temper and the shakes, and they took that away from me. So I could do the story that I've told a thousand times about my friend's dad when we were a young age saying any old dumb asshole can be a cop, and I could go through all that again, and do the kind of regurgitate the things I've said before, and I, I guess I just did it. And I, I won't do a whole lot more of that. But I do think there's an absolute fundamental breakdown on, uh, first of all, how we view police officers. I think you are a damned fool of all fools. If you blindly uh, trust and uh, blindly support all police officers, you're a damn fool. And at some point it will come back and bite you, probably, many of us, middle-aged white dudes, as long as you know we don't have a really bad night where something really out of control that we're not expecting happens, we probably won't ever have to deal with that. But you never know. And I am a subscriber of the never-say-never never theory. But generally speaking, I think most of us middle-aged white dudes are going to be all right. But still, trusting police officers just because... The thin blue line and the flags that are flown and this culture, this societal weird norm that's been building more and more as we now take sides in cultish-like fashion is is really misguided and a really, really bad approach. Because really and truly, back to the any old dumb asshole, the prerequisites, the requirements to be a police officer were just about every damn one of us are qualified for. I pulled it from uh, Tennessee. I don't know if it was HamiltonTN.gov or Nashville. Summary requirements for a Tennessee police officer. At least the age of 18 years of age for law enforcement. Yeah. Like, I'd really want an 18-year-old in charge of law enforcement. 25 years of age for sheriff. And I'll go ahead and just as much say, yeah. Like, I'd really want a 25-year-old in charge of a, a sheriff over a department. Education, a high school diploma, or GED, which means high school dropouts, feel free to sign up. Citizen, citizenship of the United States. Others that are a little bit more uh, specific that keep some of the riffraff out. No felony conviction or any violation of federal or state laws viol- or anything relating to violence, thefts, dishonesty, that's pretty vague. Gambling, liquor, controlled substances, that's a little less vague. Pass a physical examination. Well, at 18 to 25 years old, who can't do that? Or, well, many, many people can do that, whether next the next line applies or not. Have good moral character. You know, who's a judge of that? And pass a psychiatric or psychological examination by the ten, uh, Tennessee licensed health care provider. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad that at least that has to happen. And I'm going to go pretty quick here because I know I've gone long in the first two segments. But I print—I I sometimes just start printing out throughout the week as I decide what I'm going to do. And I, I think I'm going to use them and I don't. But I'll just use the headlines. Uvalde police t- lieutenant placed on leave after reports uh, f- faults several agencies school shooting response. Uh, police officer job description template, which I was going to go through, but uh, don't have time to do that now, nor do I need to. Nearly 400 officers were at Uvalde School as police waited to confront gunmen, report says. Um, if, you, if you care, uh, you already know most of these things. So a couple of points leading up to that. First of all, uh, police officers are not heroes. They are not here to save your life. They're here to um, to keep the order, to keep the calm, to arrest the uh, felons. And it. while it says serve and protect, more on that here in a few, they're here to serve more than they really are actually here to protect you. And I'll give you the specifics on that in a minute. But they do not have to put their life on the line to save you. And I believe that. I don't think they're qualified to be able to do that. And I don't want them to have to feel like that that's what they have to do. I want them to the best of their abilities to serve their job description. But they they don't need to be here to save my life. I should be able to save my own life. And holding them to a higher standard, putting them in some kind of heroic category just for passing the police academy is foolish because they're not heroes. Some of them do heroic things, but just putting on a badge doesn't make you a hero. And a Supreme Court case in 2005 completely pulls any liability away from the government and more specifically the police departments to be liable for anything that might involve your safety. What can the government do to protect the people? Firearms, prohibiting them, buying guns, immigration, all these other things. It's just a, a, a rhetorical question to start this. Did you know the government, and specifically law enforcement, does not have any duty to protect the general public? Now the guy who writes this writes it in a way and is, is, is disgusted with it. I'm not. According to the 2005 ruling from the Supreme Court, the government doesn't even have the duty to protect you if you're obtained if you've obtained a court issued restraining order. The Supreme Court ruled on Monday that the police did not have a constitutional duty to protect a person from harm. Even a woman who had obtained a court-issued protective order against her violent husband, making the rest mandatory for a violation. Again, from 2005. In the decision, with the opinion by Justice Scalia, you know, the conservative dead guy as of 16, who then, that, that eventually led to the two stolen seats on the absolutely f- extreme, out-of-control court that we have now— says the appeals court had permitted a lawsuit to proceed against the Colorado town, Castle Rock, for the failure of the woman to respond to a woman's pleas for help after her estranged husband violated the protective order and later killed her kids. It goes on to say the idea that police are heroes and sworn to protect the public has been ingrained in our minds. In fact, quote, to serve and protect is written on most police cars. However, according to specific rulings by the Supreme Supreme Court, Police in the U.S. have no legal duty to protect you as a person. Police cannot be held criminally or civilly liable for failing to protect your life or even failing to respond to calls to enforce restraining orders. And furthermore, with the town of Castle Rock, Colorado, from this 05 Supreme Court case, ruling means that they are not liable. No municipality is liable for not protecting you. Back to the last couple lines of this. There are four armed cops at a Parkland High School. None fired a shot and three hid behind their cars. 17 kids died. They had no legal duty to do anything about it. They can't be sued for negligence, charged with derelict of duty. They are not our defenders. They are aggressors. The promise of life and liberty in the Constitution mean nothing. Now, again, I say that comes from a, of a, of a, of a of somebody opining in disgust. I think it's fine. Police officers are not your hero. Last one here, and I'll wrap it up. It's from the Washington Post, an opinion piece from just uh, about a month ago. It took me a long time in life to realize, to fully understand how important leadership and experience is. You know, early on, you think, what do you need a manager for? What do we need a boss for? What do we need somebody, you know, to, to, to manage the situation, to be the, to be the guy in charge or the gal in charge? Well, it's because if you don't have that, you get a disarray of a mess of, of dissenting opinions and people who. Some people are leaders, some people are followers. I am not a leader; I am a follower. Now, I'm a very good. Uh, I have a very good understanding of what good leadership is, and take pride in fulfilling my tasks underneath very good leadership, and then get very apathetic under terrible leadership. I've been I've been underneath both in my life. Experience and leadership are very. Very important to anything in life, from a monster corporation conglomeration to a sports team to a group of 10 people trying to put together a picnic. Somebody needs to take charge. A WAPO opinion. The lesson from Uvalde, America has too many police departments. The more we know about the police response or non-response to the massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, the less we are likely to learn from it. Humans have bias for absorbing facts and fit that fit nicely into our existing presumptions while remaining largely impervious to new ideas. Next to nothing from you all day matches the world we've learned from TV and movies. Few ideas are more deeply ingrained in the American psyche than the power of a gun. The gun is alpha and omega. It puts dramas in motion by empowering a bad guy, then wraps them up in the hands of a good guy. If a gun creates a problem, the solution is another gun or a bigger gun Or a lot of guns. I'm not reading every single bit of this and I'm going to jump ahead. What was missing in that hallway was strong leadership and clear communication. The good guys had more than enough firepower, but they weren't sure what they were up against. All were waiting for the word go from a person they knew to be in charge. By piecing together various accounts, we conclude that officers were quickly on the scene from the, from the at least four agencies. The Uvalde School District Police, the Uvalde City Police, the Uvalde County Sheriff, and eventually the U.S. Border Patrol. Texas Rangers arrived at some point, and so did the FBI. That's six agencies in a city of about 16,000 people. Anyone who has ever tried to make two bureaucracies cooperate efficiently under the best of circumstances can perhaps appreciate the difficulty of making four, five, or six bureaucracies work together under the absolute worst. The United States is home to around 18,000 distinct police agencies. Sweden has one. Canada has 200. And he goes on a little bit more about that. We all, I even get annoyed with some of the, that's different circumstances, different place. His point is we got a lot of them and there's probably too many. And the final little, just uh, three sentences or so, people who have been taught to follow orders from a chain of command will be at a loss when the chain breaks down and commanders multiply. People who have learned to work closely with colleagues will be stymied when they find themselves surrounded by strangers. Urgent details won't be conveyed to everyone who needs them. Paralysis can then set in. What happened with those, all those police agencies and officers in Texas certainly certainly was shameful and embarrassing but I I don't find it to be nearly as egregious as so many others do and we live in a absolutely pathetically preposterously fake ass here's what I would do society so fraudulent here's what I'd do tell you what I'd do God damn here's what I'd do now tell you what I listen to it shut up shut up shut up shut up you don't know what you would do. And these police officers are not adequately trained. In some cases, you can't be adequately uh, trained. It's not possible. And uh, that's such a great point. One of those uh, departments had recently, as of March from what I had read, had some kind of school emergency shooting training drill. Okay, great, fine. You had a drill. So what? So what? What? What happens the first time you do something that's dangerous and needs skill and highly technical decisions with precision? What happens when you do that for the first time? You F it up. Now, luckily for us, shootings happen all the time and people are starting to get better at how to handle them. But to 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 absolutely throw every one of these police officers under these, you know, this this cowardice kind of uh, uh, cloud, I think is is unfair to them. They're not heroes. It's chaotic What happens if one of these these Cops accidentally shoots Other children Uh, A teacher Gets shot by The good guy with the gun I mean there's so many things To think about There's so many things That are Just Horrifying And terrifying To even Comprehend And and to just Smear these police All over the place for this Is exactly what is so Busted up and broken About the 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 police force in this country period it's been militarized too much and they're handling situations that they don't need to be handled and there needs to be not a defund the police there needs to be a reform of police mental health public space tragedies school tragedies churches all kinds of different training and understanding of the different kinds of nightmares that we continually have to deal with in this country that generally speaking come down to a bunch of firearms in crazy people's hands. And um, it doesn't matter how much understanding we have of it, there's still never gonna be all the people able to handle it well all the time because it's virtually impossible. And police are not superheroes. And they're not here to save your life that's not what the job is. It never really was. And in 2005, the Supreme Court released all law enforcement, municipalities, and governments of being liable for not protecting you. And I think that's okay. And that's all I got. I think I'm going to be right at 20 minutes. Kind of shorten it up and tie- tighten it up right there at the end. Hope you enjoyed it. I uh, had fun putting it together probably one more this month and then i'll be off uh, to new york for a week take a week off there and um see where it goes from there all right see you later bye i used to have
0: a badge but they made me turn it in and i used to play football but i wasn't big enough for college
5: but i passed
0: that thing away.